0: Welcome to Destiny Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Eric Smith. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit DestinyDayton.com. I I felt led to to speak on this topic right now um, out of the rut, and I've taken this from Ephesians chapter (laughs) 5. And let me just read this. There's going to be about fifteen verses, or fourteen or fifteen verses here. I want to read uh, Ephesians five, verse six. And I want to come down here on the floor today. I hope that's okay. I often find myself down here anyway when I'm preaching, so I think I'll just start here. I have I have nowhere to go but further out into the audience, so that'll be cool. So stay awake. Here we go. Ephesians chapter five, verse six. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things, God wrath, God's wrath comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. Everyone say, therefore, Therefore. do not be partakers with them. them. Verse eight, for you were at one time darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness and truth. Trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. That sounds like discipleship, doesn't it? I'm getting closer to the Lord. Trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. Do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. For the things they do in secret are shameful, even to mention. You ever wonder why like bars and casinos are all dark and some of them don't have windows? Men, Men love to hide in their sin, right? Things happen in in the dark and in secret. But all things being exposed by the light are made evident. For everything made evident is light. And for this reason, it says, and this verse is what I want to focus on today, all right? And I'm going to read a few on the other side as well so we have context. For everything made evident is light. And for this reason, it says, now before I, I read this, what Paul wrote, this is a conglomeration of about four Old Testament verses from Isaiah Packed into one little triplet right here. All right. Awake, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Read that again. Awake, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Same thing. Same thing. I don't care what your medical thing says. Come on, that's just an excuse. I, I believe that. I, I, I think that's one of the most bogus things out there. Just, just my opinion. But we're called to be sober. That's the point here. Here's the thing. We're called to be sober from the things of this world, but we're called to get drunk on the Holy Spirit because this is the comparison. Do not get drunk with wine because that's debauchery, but be filled. The thought is here, I'm going to get drunk on the Holy Spirit. I'm going to be filled with the Holy Spirit because what? He's my comforter. We say, be careful what you use to comfort yourself. That's an affront to a holy God who sent the comforter to us, right? World's comfort doesn't last anyway. About 45 minutes, maybe 30 minutes hour. Speaking to one another in Psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing and making music in your hearts to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for each other in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. When's the last time in your prayer time you sat and you thanked God for everybody in your radius here at your church family? All right? When's the last time? I really thank God for them. Thank you, Lord, for them. Thank you for putting them in my life. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Ooh. Submitting to one another. Of reverence for Christ. Back to verse 14 Awake, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would just explode your word in our heart. Holy Spirit, I pray it will just come alive. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would take us deeper. God, and if any of us be in any kind of a spiritual rut today, I pray, God, that you would pull us out. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. The devil wants us to be asleep or stuck in a rut. God we want to blow out of that today in the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Lift your hand and say God I pray that any rut spiritually that I may be stuck in that today I'm getting out. Today I'm coming out of it right now. Any rut that I'm in, come on some of y'all in ruts and you're looking you're not you're not you're just looking around. Come on. I'm in a rut. I'm breaking out of it in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. You may be seated. I want to tell you a couple of obvious things here in Scripture that uh, we need to know before we move forward with Ephesians 5. Being asleep doesn't mean unsaved. Sometimes we read this verse or verses like it, and we forget that letters like this in the New Testament weren't written to unsaved people. How many know the Bible was not written to unsaved people? Talks about people who need Jesus, but it wasn't written to them. Who was Ephesians written to? It was written to the church. And it's interesting that Paul says this because he's talking to believers and he says, Awake, O sleeper. This is a church full of people, probably most of them baptized in the Holy Spirit, most of them in water baptized, many of most all are saved and, and are trying to grow in the Lord. And he writes this to him, and he says, Awake, O sleeper. Awake, O sleeper. And it's really ironic when you consider that the book of Ephesians was actually written to one of the strongest New Testament churches in your Bible. Arguably, the book of Ephesians or the church of Ephesians was the strongest church in the entire New Testament. That makes the words of Paul even more interesting when he says to them, awake, O sleeper. You see, you can be morally good, but not enlightened. You can be spiritual, but not anointed. A lot of people running around telling how spiritual are, but they have no anointing of the Lord on their life. You can be a good church member, but yet you can be asleep. And if you listen to culture, my friends, you will live your life inside of a plastic bubble, never taking any risk, never moving beyond what you feel some safety limits are. And it's this way on purpose because the devil wants to keep you from taking risks. The devil would like to keep you in a rut. The devil would like to keep you stuck i 'm using I'm using the rut as kind of a metaphor for being asleep, right I think we understand sleep and the natural can be a good thing, but sleep spiritually is not a good thing, but I think we also understand what it means to be stuck, what it means to be stuck and I can't get off of this high center I can't get out of this this deep rut, and whether it's snow or mud right and spiritually we can be that way. We can be stuck spiritually in ruts, and you say, well how, you know what, what, define that a little bit more for me well. If you have not grown spiritually in the past year, two years, three years, you might be in a rut. The great pastor from Tulsa, Oklahoma, Willie George, said something one time that I've never forgotten in my life. He pastors Church on the Move. You all know Willie George probably from Gospel Bill back in the day. Church there in Tulsa has been there for a number of years. But he made this statement that's impacted a lot of people, not just me, but he says this. He says, if you do what you've always done, you're going to have what you've always had. And if you find yourself stuck in a rut, if you find yourself stuck spiritually, being asleep can become a norm. It could just become part of the deal. And you just keep repeating the same thing over and over. And this is where we have to understand that something's got to change. Because if fasting and regular praying, uh, not serving my church, if that's not been a part of my regular repertoire, then I'm likely stuck in a religious rut. The Lord wants to move us off of center. He wants to move us forward. When's the last time you've taken a faith risk? Could you turn my mic down just a little bit? When's the last time you took that faith risk? See, our culture wants to keep you in the bubble. It wants to keep you from trying anything. And we'll live in this area of safety. And, and we will we will talk about being safe. And we'll do what's safe. And we've really become safety obsessed. And I understand there, there are important parts of that that we need to understand. But I'd like to ask you in the New Testament, show me one prayer where any of the early church fathers, including Apostle Paul, including Jesus, pray to prayer, God keep me. us safe. When's the last time we had a prayer? I think I'm going, it sounds like I'm getting louder. (laughs) When is the last time that we have taken a risk that was a little bit dangerous? I'm not talking about doing something foolish. You heard the testimony of Raekwon. That would be a little bit dangerous. I have $100 to my name and I'm about to give it all. What I'm saying is it can be really comfortable to stay in our rut of predictability. Thus, Paul is writing Christians and he is telling them, Awake, O oh sleeper. Awake, O oh sleeper. So, according to Paul, I want to look at this passage here and I'm just going to kind of pick some things out here for. Uh, this morning that I want us to examine and I want to just ask the question if we're in a rut or we're asleep And how do we get out of that rut? The question is for paul paul? How does he recommend that we wake up if he's talking to a church full of full of powerful christians, which he arguably was How does he recommend they wake up? Here's the first thing that I see in this passage and number one This is what I want to jump to right now I'm going to try to jump to it I might need some help in the media booth. Make sure Pro Presenter's on top if you know that that makes sense. And there we go. How do we wake up? We wake up by remembering that we are co workers with a commission. Co workers with a commission. We are co laborers with Christ serving Him. For the great commission that he has called us to. If you look in your Bible to Ephesians 5, 16-17, we just read this. He said, take advantage of every opportunity because the days are evil. For this reason, do not be foolish, but be wise by understanding what the Lord's will is. When Paul says, take advantage of every opportunity because the days are evil, he is not talking about, they have a sale down at Costco and it ends on June 14th. And you better hurry, there's only 2 days days left to take advantage of this opportunity. No, he is saying take advantage of every opportunity. He is talking about expanding the kingdom of God. He is talking about the people that you love and know that are going to go to hell because they have rejected Jesus Christ. Take advantage Of every opportunity. Why? Because the times are evil. Days are evil. Paul reminds us here to do something. Every opportunity we have, let's take it to advance the kingdom. Redeem the time. Some of your translations may say, same meaning. It's saying, don't waste time when time is short. Do everything we can to reduce the perishing and reach the loss. I'm convinced that that's one of the prescriptions that I believe the Lord is writing for people that are asleep. William Booth one time had a powerful dream and he saw himself on a cruise ship and people were eating on the buffet. If you're, who's ever been on a cruise? People afraid to... Afraid to fess up about half of you been on it, half of you haven't even raised your hand. You've been on a cruise, you know, it's over the top. It was like nine dinner times, 17 buffets. I mean, it's just it, you, any other setting you say it's kind of disgusting. It's just like feeding your face, and just you know, it's like flesh, it's like you flesh out. That's the point, I suppose. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with cruises, I'm just saying, you know, I just want to give you the picture here. William Booth had this dream and they were on this cruise ship and it became obvious to him in the middle of this dream that he was looking at the church. The church was comfortable. They were going through their buffet lines. They were playing shuffleboard on the deck. They were talking. They were sipping their coffee down in the captain's club. They were having all this great fellowship. And they were going through the ocean. And the waves and the storm around them seemed to go unnoticed by the people that were on board the ship. And he looked out across the waters and there were people in the water and they were drowning and they were screaming for help. But the church on board of this cruise ship did not even notice the people in the waters around them because they were too busy with their socials. They were too busy with their buddies. They were too busy with all their fellowship dinners. They were too busy having a good time to notice the lost and the dying that were just eyeshot away. The Lord totally wrecked him in that dream. It showed him when he woke up he said that is the state of the church today there are people many in the church today are unaware or uninterested or not not even caring about the people that are drowning and dying and and they have lost the heart of what it means to be a christian they've lost the heart they've lost the beat if you will of what it means to serve jesus and they cannot hear the cry of the lost because they're down playing shuffleboard in in the in the bottom of the ship and it's like." It's like they need a wake-up call to come and take a walk on the deck and look out over the waters and see the people that are drowning and screaming for help and calling for someone to throw them a life vest. There's nothing that will wake us up by understanding how lost this world is. And Paul is saying here, awake, O oh sleeper. He's talking to you and I. He's talking to anyone who would ever serve the Lord who has fallen asleep and they've just gotten comfortable, they've gotten in a rut. He's saying, I want you to make the most of every opportunity. The people that are around you that don't know Jesus, their, their blood is on our hands. Their blood is on your hands. And they need to know Jesus can save them and change them. But the deal is, as long as we're in that comfortable rut. There we There we sit. 1 Corinthians 3 9. It's the Apostle Paul talking again. We are co workers belonging to God. You are in God's field. You're in God's building. We're co workers. Matthew 28, Jesus gave us the, what we call the great commission. And I'm emphasizing the word co because it's a partnership with Jesus to reach the world. Jesus left and he said tag you're it it's your turn you've got to carry this light when jesus was in the world he said i'm in the i'm the light of the world as long as i'm in the world i'm the light of the world but then in matthew 5 16 he said you are the light of the world and now that jesus is in heaven at the right hand of the father we have his holy spirit inside of us that we can burn on that we can flame on that the fire of god can light us that we can be light in the darkness We're co-laborers. I want to tell you, Jesus didn't save us so we could sit back in lazy boy Christianity thinking our work is over. We have been saved so we can get to work to become a link in this chain of grace that Jesus Christ has extended to this planet. That's why we have to call out false doctrine like this hyper grace message that is permeated and becomes so popular within the church and it's so very dangerous because it tends to absolve the believer of any responsibility for the harvest. It paints a picture that we're all on the cruise ship and we're chillaxing and Jesus has done it all. We're waving his people as we drift by. But Jesus and Paul, however, both paint a picture, my friends, that we are born into an ancient spiritual war. Where we wrestle, we contend. Where we fight, we will overcome. That's the message of Jesus. That's the message of Paul. Yet the modern church today seems to just to kind of float. If we're going to get out of a rut, we've got to understand that we are co-laborers with Christ. We've been called to a co-mission. It's your job. It's my job. It's not just the pastor's job. We don't hire staff to cover that for us. I don't care. what you, your Church can have 100 people on staff. doesn't matter. It doesn't absolve any believer of their responsibility. I hear people say, well, we've got to... We got a care pastor for that. We have an outreach pastor who does that. No, you're the outreach pastor. You're the care pastor. You're the church. People go, why doesn't the church do that? Well, you're the church. You give me the answer, please. Why aren't you? Why doesn't the church help so and so? Why aren't you? Because we want to absolve. We want to put it on somebody else. Not you guys. I'm talking about those other people that go other places. Secondly, Paul says in verse six, let nobody deceive you with empty words for because of these things, God's wrath comes upon the sons of disobedience. If we want to get out of the mud, out of the rut to fully wake up and I'd encourage you not to look at your phone and zone out today. I'd encourage you to listen. If you're looking at your phone and and social media right now, you're the one I'm talking to today. You're asleep and you need to be awoken and I love you and I want you to have the fullness of Christ alive inside of you. We have to fully comply with God's Word. If we're going to get out of a rut, again, going back to that original thought, if we continue to do what we've always done, we're going to get what we've always had. So we've got to do something different sometimes and most of the time it's going to require radical obedience to what the word of god says now radical obedience is difficult because sometimes it causes you and calls you to break off relationships that you know you shouldn't be in and shouldn't have fully complying with god's word means shining the spotlight on your heart and saying "Ooh, mm, that's got to change that's got to go that can't exist and god's grace and his power that can exist with him because no man can serve two masters and it's difficult, but it's very important because if we want to grow spiritually, if we want to get out of the rut, if we want to get unstuck, right, if we want to wake up, we have got to fully comply with God's word. This is why Paul, again, writing Christians, the strongest church in the New Testament, Ephesus, that's where John the revelator was. Ephesus, the strongest church in the New Testament, he said, awake, O sleeper. He said, nobody deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, God wrath will come upon those who disobey on disobedience. He said, for you were one time, verse eight, you were in darkness yourself, but now you are Light in the Lord live like children of the light for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness and truth. Trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. I just want to say this today, the church must stop believing half truths. The church must stop being sucked in by dumb doctrines. I think it was Ben Franklin that said a half truth is actually a great lie. There's a lot of half doctrines, half truths, and it's ridiculous. I want to tell you, listen, this is crazy. We, we've had brilliant Greek Bible scholar, hundreds, thousands, if you will, Bible scholars in the past 2,000 years. And these, these guys that suddenly think they have found a new meaning in the Scripture, or that they, they, they seems, of course, it always seems to coincide by putting a stamp of approval on some sin or ungodly lifestyle, and they are preaching doctrines of demons, my friends. And they're saying, well, that's not what the Bible means. Here's the correct translation translation, even though we've had 2000 years worth of brilliant Bible scholars. You see what's at work here. There is an effort to get people to follow things that aren't true. And deception is so deceiving when it has a mixture of truth in it. So many people are fooled when they when they hear somebody says, "Well, I'm a Christian, and here's what First Corinthians six nine and ten really means." And here's a and I I went to a Bible school online, and I have got this degree. Who cares? Sometimes PhDs just mean pilot higher and deeper. I'm not impressed with your PhD. you can be deceived with the PhD and MDiv and MABS and everything, other kind of Bible degree you can get. You can be deceived. Wasn't trying to be coarse there. Just trying to, you know, make a point. By the way, my dad taught me that. So I'll blame him for that one. (laughs) Get mad at my dad. He's in heaven (laughs) laughing at you for being offended. All right. Paul calls this the fruit of the light. Fruit of the light consists of things done in righteousness, goodness, and truth, Paul says. Now, I want to just highlight this for a moment because the question arises, why does truth matter? Well, we, can, we all know that truth is under attack today in many different areas. But truth matters because it matters to God. God. Why does right living, why does goodness matter? Because it matters to God. I want to tell you that anyone or anything that wants to muddy the waters, that wants to call unrighteousness righteous or call evil good, it is not of God. And I just want to say this too, learning the word of God is not enough today. Sadly, many who talk about wanting to learn the Word of God only do so because they want to win an argument somewhere. I need to learn the Word. Why? You're going to be a better witnesser? You're going to win the guy you work with for 20 years and never told him about Jesus? No, I, gotta, I got this atheist online. I got to show him. I got this Baptist friend at work. I got to let him know the truth. <laughs> It's good to know the word, my friend. We need to know the word. But I want to tell you what's more important. We must be people that execute the word of God in our lives. We must make sure we not only know it, but we're doing it. Let me just say it that way. These are the days that we not only know the word, but we're living the word. Are Everybody tracking with me? Some of you frowning at me. Some of you look at me like I have seven heads today. Am I okay? Good. Fresh breath, teeth, clean, white, right? Okay, good. Thank you. We have to be people that know, not, only know the, not only know the word, but live the word of God. My dad used to say something else. Hell, the road to hell is paved with people that know the word. He would even say this. He'd say the road to hell is paved with preachers. That was my My grandpa. Knowing the word is good only if it can execute it in your life. If you're on a football team, especially if you're on a higher level, you may know the playbook inside and out. You could pass the test. They could give you a quiz. You pass the test. Yeah, I know on that play. I go here, block this guy, go left, cut 10 yards, turn left. Okay, great. Go out on the field and do it. If you can't do it on the field, guess where you're going to find yourself back on the bench. A few years ago, it was a a shocking admission on national TV. I think it was the Buffalo bills. Dylan's on vacation. I, I wish he was here so he could hear me talking about his team a little bit here. Buffalo bill quarterback went down in an injury. They brought his backup in. He was terrible. Terrible. You see my face? <laughs> terrible. I, mean, I think in that game he actually threw more, inter, uh, more completions and more touchdowns for the other team than he did his own. After the game, well, what went wrong? Well, to be honest with you, this is what he said. To be honest with you, um, I really don't know the playbook. How long you been on this team? How many people in church like that? I really didn't know. How long you been saved? I don't know if I could lead a small group. I've only been saved 27 years. I don't know if I got that. Could I lead someone to the Lord? I don't know. I haven't been saved long, like 11 years. LOL. I'm a, I'm a new Christian. Oh, when did you get saved? Oh, 1984. Uh, that's not new. I if you've been saved longer than three months, you're out of excuses. So the next day they cut this guy. That means you're not on the team. You're not getting a paycheck. You're off. The next week, the third-string quarterback started. He did pretty good. After the game, they interviewed him. Said, "Yeah, you stepped in and did a great job. What was your inspiration today?" He's like the guy that got cut last week. <laughs> he said that. He said the quarterback say, "Who oh, you did? You played so well. Yeah, I worked hard. I studied this week. And uh, what was your inspiration?" The dude that got cut last week. I want to tell you something, my friends. We must not only learn the Word of God, we best be about applying it in our daily living when no one's watching, when no one's around. Why? Because it matters. Because this whole attack from hell today is against truth. It's against right living. It's against the goodness of God. They want to discredit God Well, they want to tell you you don't know what sex you even are. You don't even know what gender you are. You may decide you're this, that, or the other. It's an attack. Against truth and it's demonic. It's demonic. It's just a symptom of everything spiritually wrong in our world today. That's what I love about Paul. He said, "You know, don't, 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 don't just shun it. Stay away from it. Call it out. Call it out." Verse 15, therefore, consider carefully how you live, not as unwise, but as wise and do not get drunk with wine, which is debauchery. Don't get high, don't get drunk, right? Be sober. But there's an exception. You can get drunk on the Holy Spirit. Speaking to one another in Psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing, making music in your hearts to the Lord. I love that imagery. I'm drunk on the Holy Spirit and I'm singing and making music in my heart to the Lord. (laughs) You ever run into a drunk and they they just sing? (laughs) I want to be so overwhelmed with the presence of the Lord that what comes out of my mouth, I'm speaking to other people in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, making music in my heart to the Lord. This is what we must do to fully comply with the word of God. I'm I'm baffled. It's not this church. I'm not trying to be funny. You guys understand the importance of being filled with the Holy Spirit, but I could preach in any assembly of God church this morning and take a poll. And about 25% of those people are going to say, I am baptized with the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking other tongues. I'll ask a second question. How many are seeking to be baptized? Nearly no one is raising their hand. We've come up in our movement in a generation where we have, and it's a, it's it's the pulpit's fault. That's that's the only thing I can tell you. It's it's the, the the people that stand behind this. And wherever the Holy Spirit is not preached, that minister is a thief and a robber. Why would I want to rob my people of an encounter with God that would radically change their life, give them power to overcome in this world, to live free from sin, to have the power of God in, resident inside of them that they could win the loss. And I have a responsibility, and I'm, I, I'm not trying to throw shade on anybody. I'm just saying this honestly, and I, I, I tell myself this. If I'm not preaching that to people, I am a thief and a robber because I'm keeping something back from them that's important. How are we going to fully comply with God's word if we're not obedient to all of God's word? I don't know if it was Mike Signorelli who I was listening to, but he's like, stop telling people you love Jesus if you're not obeying him. Because Jesus said, if you love me, you're going to do what I say. If you love him, you do what he says. That's full compliance with God's word. You all see here that, seeing that. Okay, last thing, and I'm going to close. Paul says this in verse 7. You can see this in Ephesians 5, right? I have each one of these points. is tied to at least one verse in our text that we wrote, writ, read. <laughs> Sorry. I think much learning has made me mad, right? No. <laughs> that we read. Verse 7 is important. Paul said, don't be sharers with them. Talking about the people in darkness, don't be sharers with them. Don't be partners with them. Don't partake with what they are partaking in. Therefore, if we are going to awake from sleep, if we're going to get out of the rut, hear me, hear me, hear me, we've got to break every association with darkness that we may have in our lives. Every association. Don't associate with those who live and walk in darkness. Now, somebody will always say, but Jesus hung out with sinners. Yeah. Do you know why? He was trying to convert them. He wasn't condoning what they were doing. He wasn't sinning with them. They weren't buddies, right? They weren't going to the lake and fishing and throwing back a few and then burning some fish over the coal fire on the shore. Yo, having a little fun. Jesus hung out. That's how people describe. Well, Jesus hung out with sinners. All they're trying to do is justify the fact that they are still connected with people in darkness. When people tell me that, then I say, okay, when did you tell them that without Jesus, they're going to go to hell? Have you made that clear to them? Because if you hadn't, then you're just, throwing, you're just blowing smoke at me. Or yourself, really. You're fooling yourself. Darkness has a lot of ways it can enter us. Tomi Ariyami, who's a, a, a prophetic voice from England, love this brother. This is what he says. What entertains you will eventually enter you. what you are using to entertain yourself, you better be careful because you, are ha- you, you can develop an association with darkness. And what entertains you will eventually enter you. Now, Jesus delivers junk out of you, and he delivers us out of that junk. But listen, it is up to us, therefore, afterwards to walk there in that freedom. To walk in Jesus is to walk in freedom. Therefore, the Bible tells us that we have to have self-discipline, self-control. And these are increasingly rare virtue traits in our culture, yet they're desperately needed. And the believer must walk in those to stay free from the entanglements of the world. It's what Galatians 5 one says stand fast therefore this is paul again writing another church stand fast therefore in the liberty by which christ has made us free and do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage jesus sets us free it's up to our self-discipline and self-control to maintain that freedom to not become entangled read that there don't become entangled again Are all of your associations broken with your past? This is a great question for all of us to ask. Do we sit and fantasize about things that need to be broken? That may reveal that we've got some connection to the past. Are you still creeping your ex's social media? Dear God, it's time to delete it. It's time to Break the tie. I think a lot of Christians sometimes can struggle with soul ties. Soul ties are often formed through sexual relationship, but they don't have to be. Anywhere you have an unhealthy codependency where you've got to be someone's gotta be there to, to prop you up, or you can have a soul tie with a preacher, you can have a soul tie with a friend. You can have it doesn't have to be someone you dated, but I want to tell you soul ties need to be broken. Why? Because you still have an association going with darkness inside. There's still something connected to you. And it has you thinking about them. It has you fantasizing about. It has your mind back where it doesn't need to be. And you can't move forward. You are stuck in a rut because you are connected with a soul tie. You ever wonder why somebody who was like kidnapped or uh, somebody in an abusive relationship where they were abused by someone and and they it's like they don't want to leave that person it, they call it stockholm syndrome that's what the world calls but really it's a soul tie a soul tie was formed with someone that they can't get they can't break it and they are still drawn to them and they're still defending them they were manipulative they were abusive and yet they will still defend them soul tie you have an association with darkness. You're a Christian. You're a believer. You're serving Jesus. Remember, Paul, he wrote this to Christians. Good ones. Not saying you're not saved. Not saying you don't know the Lord. I'm saying you are, but you've got a soul tie that needs to be broken. It's time to move on with your life. It's Time to delete those contacts. Get off of their Instagram page. Delete those old associations. It's time to move on. You'll never live in freedom if you got... Soul ties. Now I am quoting Mike Signorelli here. He was sharing how has a powerful deliverance ministry pastor on the East Coast. He was saying he was praying for a lady. He would, was somebody brought him in to preach, and he was praying deliverance for this lady. And suddenly, this was wild. I was I was mowing my grass. Like when I mow, I like to put podcasts on because I can just. Cause mowing is like my least favorite thing to do in the world pretty much, but I can make the time valuable and useful if I'm like, listening. So, so I, I'm listening and I got this podcast and he said, they had me come in and he said, I was preaching. I kind of like mowing. I guess I got to be honest. I like it this little bit, not that much though. <laughs> I don't want to overstate it. He was praying for this lady. He saw that she was bound by something. He said suddenly in the spirit realm, he saw all of these umbilical cords coming out of her back said he had no idea, but he said, the Lord said, those are soul ties. So he prayed for her that God would break every soul tie off of her. Later, he talked to the pastor of that church and he said, what well, you don't know, that lady has been saved for a while. She's never been able to get free. She's always had these past darkness. And she said, he said, what you, what you didn't know, Mike, is this lady worked in the sex industry. These soul ties were men that she had slept with and some of them she had created soul ties with. Some of you aren't listening today because the devil's trying to distract you from freedom. Listen up. Let the devil don't want you to get free. He wants you to maintain your soul ties. Don't, don't, don't fall for it. He said, when you prayed for her, when you broke those soul ties, he said, she is a brand new person. All, all of the struggles She never could get past. She never could get free. Now she's free. Now, it's the same with objects. Objects connected to something or sinful or ungodly or an ungodly relationship need to be gotten rid of. Do you have something from an old boyfriend, an old girlfriend? I tell you, you know, I know I know this may not be any of you, but I hear it all the time. There are people on Facebook who are married otherwise happily. All of a sudden, they see a picture of an old girlfriend and they start to the chat going, and they try they start talking, and before long there's an affair, and before long it runs off the rails, and before long, I want to tell you this happens all the time. There are connections to the past that must be broken. Because if you leave doors open, my friends, I want to tell you you've got an association. With darkness that will not only keep you stuck, but if you stay there, it's going to destroy your soul. You've heard me tell these stories. If you've ever been on a mission trip with us before, we've been on I don't know how many mission trips we've been on here, five, six trips. Every missionary, no matter what country you're in, if they're worth their salt, and they are, that they will tell you this. Do not buy anything that looks like an idol. Do not buy anything that looks demonic, because those things often. Ha- when I was at when I was at Mardi Gras in New Orleans for an outreach with my my university that I, I'm going working on my master's degree with, they said, "Don't touch the beads." They said a lot of these beads that they're throwing, these companies make them, and they're owned by people that are into voodoo, and they will curse these beads with voodoo curses. And I'm telling you, walking down Mardi Gras, number one, you don't want to look up. You want to keep your eyes straight, right? And you will just be hit with beads all over. And you see these goofy people. They, oh, look at that. And they have, like, 20 necklaces around, like, <laughs> And they don't even know what they're allowing into their life. Now, see, the devil is whispering to someone right now saying, that's stupid. That's the devil talking to you right now, because you've got darkness that you've held on to. You've had objects you've held on to. You've got soul ties that need to be broken. And the devil doesn't want to lose his access to your mind, to your heart, to your fantasy life. Come on. If you're still thinking about old boyfriends, old girlfriends, you've got a soul tie you're fantasizing about someone else who's not your wife or husband there's something wrong doesn't mean you're a a bad person right i'm not not saying that i'm saying you, you can be a christian and you can be asleep you can be in a rut and it can be because of a something that needs to be broken from your past is this okay today all right half you think it's okay the other half i'm not sure where you're at but god bless you welcome to destiny today glad you're here this is interesting because Paul is telling this to people here in, in the church of Ephesians, the Ephesus church. Break every association with darkness. Do you all remember what happened in Acts chapter 19? Paul was preaching in a city. And people were coming to Jesus. And spontaneously something began to happen. Remember? Someone in here knows this. The Bible says they began bringing their magic books. Can I tell you a book back then was expensive. You've heard me say this before, but Luke acts was written as a two volume set. That book would have been worth $1 million in today's money. That's how rare and difficult it would be to have a book of that size. They were bringing their magic books, spells. You can look it up in Acts 19. And they were burning them. These were things that were valuable. They were burning them. They were breaking every association they had with darkness. Now, can somebody tell me what city that was in in Acts 19? Ephesus. The very city where the church, the strongest church in the New Testament was, that Paul was reminding them here, break every association you have with darkness, because awake, go sleeper. Arise and let the light of Jesus shine on you. Because time is short. Awake, go sleeper. This gives you new thoughts about Psalm 23. What did David say the Lord wanted to do? As he led you beside the still waters, he was going to do something else for you. Oh, come on, y'all. Restore your soul. A soul tie ripped a little piece of your soul and you gave it away to somebody. The Lord wants to restore your soul. He's going to get back that peace. That you gave to somebody else. That piece of someone else's soul that you're going to cast off. And, and please understand, I just want to make this clear. We're not talking about the person themselves. We're talking, we're not talking about killing the rider. We're talking about killing the horse, right? Not the person we're talking about that relationship, those spiritual soul ties. That's what we're talking about. And when you walking out of here thinking, I got to go. No, no, no. We're not talking about the person themselves. That's done, that's past. But all those thoughts, all those things that connect you to them, that's what needs to be broken. The Lord wants to restore your soul today. He restoreth. He restoreth my soul. oftentimes we've read that in our lifetimes we just kind of fly past that without even thinking about what that means but how huge those three or four words are right there he restores my soul jesus wants to get you out of the rut today Therefore, it's time to get rid of anything that connects you to something that you are wanting to be completely free from today. Ruts, A.W. Tozer said this, ruts will break when the Lord begins to manifest himself to you. Ruts will begin to break. I don't care what it is. A rut will begin to break in your life when the Lord Jesus Christ begins to manifest himself to you. I'd like everyone just to stand, lift your hands to the Lord. Come on. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. This message and other resources are available at destinydayton.com.